0: I'm just a rock chick. I would describe my music and my sound as Avril The best damn thing. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of the Best Damn Avril Lavigne podcast, a facts and trivia-based podcast about Canadian pop singer Avril Lavigne. I'm your host, Andrea De Francesco. So I know it's been... A while since the last episode and I just want to thank all of you for your patience as I've been working on the next one. Uh, Like I alluded to in the past episode, I am doing some wedding planning so that obviously eats up a great deal of time. But also this particular episode took like when I say hours of research, I literally mean hours, like probably days of research because I just really wanted to make sure that I knew what I was talking about and that I had all my facts and everything straight. Um, And hopefully the wait will be worth it. All the research will be worth it. Um, Hopefully that you find this episode interesting. But before we begin today's episode, let's first run through the major events and highlights that have happened since our previous episode. On July 21st, another new remix of Eyes Wide Shut was released called The Culture Code Remix. A survey was sent out by Epic Games, the makers of the online game Fortnite, with a list of artists for potential collaborations in the game for skins, dances, or in-game concerts, and Avril was included in the list along with Katy Perry, 21 Savage, Polo G, Gwen Stefani, salt and Pepper, and Imagine Dragons. On August 10th, an interview was published by Grazia Magazine. She said, New music is definitely coming up, and I am really excited to share it with everyone. She also posted a TikTok video from behind the scenes of the shoot. On August 15th, Avril was announced as part of the class of 2023 inductees for Canada's Walk of Fame. The inductees will be honored at a special induction event, Canada's Walk of Fame, on September 28th at Massey Hall that will feature a night of tributes, live performances, special guests, and a reunion of Canadian DJ legends. The event will be followed by the annual Canada's Walk of Fame 25th anniversary celebration at the Metro Toronto Convention Center on December 2nd, with a special broadcast to air at a later date on CTV. On August 16th, the YouTube channel The Music Factory uploaded a previously unseen interview of Avril from 2002. On August 21st, Avril announced a sweepstakes with beatbox beverages to win VIP tickets to the When We Were Young Music Festival in October, as well as a chance to hang out with Avril at the pre-party and a custom guitar. Additionally, Complicated has been certified two times platinum in Britain. And I also recently got the chance to do a written interview for Avril Fans Germany all about the podcast. So be sure to go check it out on AvrilFansGermany.de, and I'll pop the link down in the show notes below so you can find it easily. And I also recently got the chance to be part of another podcast about conspiracy theories in the music industry with Avril, of course, being one of them. The podcast is not completed yet, but I will be sure to let you all know when it's available. And it was super fun to be part of. And um, the podcast is actually all going to be in Dutch, so I don't know how much of it you'll be you'll be able to understand. But once the podcast is complete and it's out, I'll be sure to let you know where you can go and listen to it. And now let's dive into today's topic. Over the last 20 years of Avril's career, there's been some strange or unexplainable things that have happened that fans still wonder about even today. In this edition of the Best Damn Avril Veeam podcast, we explore 18 of the greatest Avril mysteries. So the general concept of this episode is things that have happened in Avril's career like I said, that don't really have an explanation. Um, It's not just things that people wonder about. Like, for example, I know a lot of people wonder about what the cause of her divorces were or things that happened in her relationships, what might have happened with some of her musical collaborators, like things that happened between them, uh, what original album concepts were like, that kind of thing. This is not really what we're talking about here. These are more just like really weird or kind of quirky, unexplainable phenomenons or things that have happened concerning her career or maybe even abandoned project ideas that kind of thing that's really what we're going to be talking about here and so like I said this took a lot of research to do and I really had to kind of search back in my own little personal memory archives to kind of see if I could remember these like particular things or kind of go back on forums like Avril Band-Aids and stuff like that and go back into these fan forums and social media posts and kind of see if I could dig up some, some information on these things and kind of remember exactly how these things went down. So like I said, hopefully the research is worth it and that you find this episode really interesting. We might even have enough mysteries here to warrant a part two potentially in the future. But like I said, we already have 18 of them to go through this time around, and we're going to go in chronological order of her career, starting with the Let Go Era. So our first mystery of the Let Go Era is what happened to the original interview that was infamously used by Weird Al in 2003. Beginning in 1984, parody artist Weird Al Yankovic created a comedy series for MTV called Al TV, in which he would use clips from real interviews with celebrities and cut them in such a way that he appeared to be interviewing them. In 2003, he did an episode using an interview with Avril, however, the real interview that was used doesn't appear to exist anywhere online in its original form. According to IMDb, the original interview was part of a segment for MTV called Diary Presents VMA Superstars that aired around the time of the 2002 MTV Video Music Awards. The documentary also followed Eminem, Nelly, Shakira, and Justin Timberlake. On August 22, 2022, MTV uploaded the full footage on YouTube called Avril Lavigne, A Day in a Life in 2002 MTV Prelude. However, some of the footage used in Weird Al's version of the interview is noticeably missing, such as the portion where Avril says she doesn't know who she's against, when she talks about the song YMCA, when she says the crowd had a good time, or when she discusses getting compared to Britney Spears. It's possible Weird Al was given permission to use the interview in its full, unedited form since both programs were produced by MTV. But when the interview was officially published for YouTube in 2022, the interview had been condensed or edited down. Was there ever a scene with a baby in the Skater Boy music video? Some fans have reported remembering a scene in the music video for Skater Boy during the song's second verse, describing the female character sitting at home with her baby after a TikTok about it went viral in March 2021. A Reddit thread was then created on March 13, 2021, which says, quote, "I remember a girl at home with a baby in her arms, wrapped in a blanket, and watching Skater Boy on an old TV. I then remember bits of said girl being on the phone and her arriving at the concert for To Be Too Late and Skater Boy to be with Avril." End quote. However, the scene doesn't exist at all in any versions of the music video that have aired on television or been uploaded online. One Reddit user explained people could be remembering a version of the video that was recreated with The Sims video game, while others say it could be a scene from a completely different music video by another artist or band. Some say they could simply just be thinking of the lyrics that describe that scene. In April 2021, TikTok user Chayaz did a side-by-side comparison of the videos from the original CD single and the YouTube version, noting that they were exactly the same and the scene did not exist. The phenomenon of a group of people collectively remembering an event that did not occur is known as a Mandela Effect, named after a common false memory concerning political activist Nelson Mandela. However, this is surprisingly not the only Mandela Effect that has occurred with Avril. Many fans also report remembering Avril doing an ad for the famous Got Milk campaign that ran from 1993 to 2014 with various celebrities in order to sell more milk. A video on YouTube by All Time Clips from March 15th, 2022, states that fans remember seeing Avril in a Got Milk ad with the famous Milk mustache, as well as wearing a white tank top with suspenders and that her guitar was in the photo. However, the video goes on to say that after searching through backlogs of every celebrity ad ever done for the campaign, that Avril's is nowhere to be found, either meaning it's been lost or that it never actually existed. It's possible fans could be mixing it up with another photoshoot done by Avril, or someone could have photoshopped it. I personally do not ever recall seeing Avril in a Got Milk campaign, and in fact, it's highly unlikely she would have participated in an ad for milk since she was largely against dairy, meat, and other animal products at the time. Why wasn't the full band version of Why released initially? On the 20th anniversary edition of Avril's debut album Let Go, released on June 3, 2022, the B-side Why was included on the tracklist. The song was previously released in 2002 on the Japanese edition of the original Let Go album, as well as the CD single for Complicated. However, it was an acoustic version only. The version that was included on the 20th anniversary edition is a full band version with completely different vocal takes than the version released in 2002. It's unclear why two different versions of the song were released, and why only the acoustic demo was initially released in 2002 if the full band version existed. It's possible the label, or Avril herself, did not like the more country sound of the full band version, as it did not properly represent her as a pop rock artist at that time, and they instead released the acoustic version. They then might have decided to include the full band version as an alternate edition for the 20th anniversary release. Is Avril's guitar muted while performing? Avril is known for rocking out on stage with an electric guitar every now and again, but over the years, fans have wondered if the punk rock princess is really playing or not. From high-quality live concert films such as My World, The Bones Tour 2005 live in Budokan, and The Best Damn Tour live in Toronto, you can clearly see Avril playing the guitar. However, it's not always easy to hear her. This has led many fans to wonder if the volume on Avril's guitar is turned down very low, or if the guitar is even plugged into an amplifier at all. While it's definitely tricky to distinguish Avril's guitar from the rest of her band during live performances, it's unlikely she's faking it. During many acoustic performances over the years, you can clearly hear her guitar. I also personally saw her in concert on the Head Above Water tour in 2019, and can clearly hear her start the intro if he wasn't, since she was the only one playing. It's likely that her guitar is turned up at a normal volume, and is just drowned out by the rest of her band. Moving on to our mysteries from the Under My Skin era, what is SeekingAvril.com? In the CD inlay of the Nobody's Home single, it mentions a website called SeekingAvril.com. An archived version of the webpage shows it was used as a promotional tool for her second album, Under My Skin, in 2004. It also advertises a number to text for a free picture phone logo and to receive clues for Seeking Avril. However, it is not known what exactly the clues were, or what they were for, or what Seeking Avril refers to. It was likely a simple promotional tool used to advertise the album and generate fan interest. Did Avril ever perform Smells Like Teen Spirit? A rumor has circulated throughout the fandom for several years that Avril had performed a cover of Smells Like Teen Spirit by Nirvana during the Bones tour. However, there is no video or audio recording of it. In a backstage video interview, Avril talked about choosing a song to perform on drums and explained she was thinking about doing Smells Like Teen Spirit, but changed her mind to do Song 2 by Blur after hearing it on the radio. It's possible fans heard this story and mistakenly thought she had actually performed it. Did Not Gonna Run really play before shows of the Bones tour? For several years, some fans claimed to have heard an outtake from Under My Skin called Not Gonna Run before her concerts on the Bones tour, which ran from 2004 to 2005. Not Gonna Run as a song registered on Avril's ASCAP song registration page with Evan Taubenfeld as a co-writer. While fans claim to have heard the song playing on the sound system before the shows, no video or audio recording appears to exist and no one has ever described what the song sounds like, what it's about, or remembered any lyrics. There are supposed lyrics available online, but they could be fan-made. While cell phone and camera technology was not nearly as advanced back in 2004 as it is today, there are many cell phone and camera recordings you can find from the Bones store readily available on YouTube why wouldn't there be a single recording of an unheard Avril song? How can many fans claim to have heard it and not be able to recall at all what the song sounds like or be able to describe anything about it or its lyrics? It's possible the song they were hearing was not actually by Avril at all, but just simply an artist that sounded similar, especially because artists do not usually play their own songs on the sound system before shows, particularly not unreleased songs. It's also possible fans just made it up. It was complicated on the Live in Budokan DVD, Dubbed. In 2005, Avril released a live concert film of the Bones tour called Live in Budokan, which was filmed in Budokan, Japan. The full concert can be found on YouTube. However, the performance of the song Complicated in particular appears to be dubbed with entirely different audio than what the rest of the concert sounds like. Her voice is noticeably higher pitched and cleaner and crisper sounding. The editing is especially noticeable since the ending phrase of no, no, no sounds like the rest of the live concert again. So the question is, is this audio dubbed, and if so, why? I tried reaching out to Sony Music Japan via Instagram DM to see if I could get in contact with the editors of this DVD, but unfortunately to no avail. So using my best educated guess, it's likely that the audio of the live performance may have gotten corrupted during the editing process, or perhaps it just didn't sound good, or the quality of the recording wasn't clear enough. Whatever the reason for the dub, it appears Avril went into a studio and re-recorded the song in its entirety, which was then dubbed over the film. As for why the last line is left intact, it could be a simple editing mistake, or perhaps that portion of the recording was the only salvageable part of the performance. It could have also made it easier to transition from the in-studio performance back to the live performance, since the room acoustics are noticeably different. I couldn't think of any mysteries for the Best Damn Thing era, so moving right along to the Goodbye Lullaby era, did the song Hello ever actually exist? In 2011, a limited fan edition of the CD single for Wish You Were Here was released. On Avril's official website, the tracklist was advertised as featuring the original version of Wish You Were Here, the acoustic version, and both the album and acoustic versions of an unheard track called Hello. However, fans ended up receiving a different version of the CD, which instead featured the live acoustic version of Smile and the acoustic version of What the Hell in place of both versions of Hello. After a series of email communications with Avril's team by a former administrator for Avril's official website, it was confirmed that the version featuring Hello was posted in error and that the track didn't actually exist. Fans were offered a refund and were not required to return the CD. As for why the error itself occurred in the first place, it was either simply a typo or a placeholder if the final tracklist was not yet known. It could have also been confused with the actual album track, Goodbye. Are the instrumentals for Gone, Candy, and Complete Me real? In 2011, the instrumental tracks for three songs leaked online with the titles of Gone, Candy, and Complete Me, all supposedly scrapped songs from Avril's 2011 album Goodbye Lullaby. Gone was confirmed by Avril's co-writer Evan Tobenfeld to be a real track from the album. However, he did not comment on the authenticity of the leaked instrumental itself. The instrumental for the song titled Candy sounds identical to a brief snippet of a song Avril played in a vlog she uploaded to her YouTube channel, where she was in the recording studio with the producer Alex DeKid and songwriter Skylar Gray. However, Avril never confirmed the song's title. And lastly, Complete Me is registered on Avril's ASCAP song registration page with the alternate title Hello Heartache, a track which did eventually appear on Avril's next album in 2013. The biggest mystery here is, of course, if these leaked instrumentals are the real deal. And if so, why did they leak, and why did only the instrumentals leak? Many of Avril's scrap songs from various albums have leaked over the years due to buyers or traders purchasing them, but always with full vocals intact. If these instrumentals are authentic, why didn't the full versions with the vocals leak instead? is it possible these instrumentals are fan-made? Evan never confirmed what Gone sounded like, so it wouldn't be that difficult to make up any kind of instrumental track for it. And a relatively skilled musician could come up with a full music track based off the tiny snippet Avril played of Candy from her studio vlog. However, Complete Me would be much harder to create a track for, as it did end up becoming the basis for a song which ended up on Avril's next album two years later. The most likely explanation here is that perhaps the instrumentals without vocals were the only versions of the songs available for purchase, or what was only available at the time the interested party was looking for songs to buy. Perhaps these were just demos that hadn't been fully recorded yet, and the person who sold them figured nobody would miss them if they were sold. Or maybe they were unfinished demos that another artist was interested in purchasing to use to write new lyrics to, but ultimately decided to scrap. No matter the explanation, the full versions with vocals remain a mystery to this day was Avril's Much Music Video Award given to Justin Bieber. In 2011, Avril was nominated for a Much Music Video Award for your fave artist, which was voted on by the fans. Fans could see via online voting that Avril had won by about 4,000 votes, but the award was instead given to Justin Bieber. The most likely explanation for this is that Much Music can possibly choose to override votes at their discretion. Savannah Alday wrote an article titled, Does Your Vote Count? How Award Shows Decide Winners in April 2020 for the website withtheband.co in which she describes how different award shows choose their winners. While there is no information in the article on how the MMVAs decide their winners, there is information on the MTV VMAs which are similar, and this is what she had to say about their voting process. Quote, MTV tallies the votes and declares the winner, but if the voting process is interrupted, tampered with, the VMAs reserve the right to select the winners themselves. Their voting rules continue by stating that the VMAs reserve all rights to cancel, terminate, amend, modify, extend, or suspend the voting process, and reserves the right in its sole discretion to determine the winners, restating that at the end of the day, voting is really determined by MTV slash VMAs. There is no record that they have ever utilized these clauses to override fan votes, end quote. All this is to say that the MMVAs could possibly have built a similar clause into their voting process, but this cannot be proven or be proven that they overrode votes in this particular case. It's also possible the awards are bought by the artist management. Justin was rising in popularity during this time, and it's possible the show wanted to award a more popular current artist to gain ratings. The same was rumored to have happened with Lady Gaga being awarded your fave international video over Britney Spears. What was Avril filming in 2012? On August 1, 2012, Avril was photographed by the paparazzi shopping out in Hollywood. In one photo, a cameraman can be seen behind her filming while inside a clothing store called Pop Killer. She was wearing white leggings with lightning bolts on them, which were later revealed to be from the upcoming spring 2013 collection of her clothing line, Abby Dawn. Whatever Avril was filming that day was never actually released. It's possible it was a TV commercial for the new Abby Dawn collection. However, the collection never got released because Abby Dawn was dropped from its distributor at this time, which would mean if a commercial was filmed, it would also get shelved. It's also possible that Avril was filming a behind-the-scenes vlog, as she had uploaded several videos for What the Hell TV in 2011 and 2012 during the Goodbye Lullaby era to keep fans up to date with her latest projects. This was possibly a video for that project. However, videos for What the Hell TV concluded with the release of the Goodbye music video posted earlier that March, and she did not resume videos like this until November 2013 under the rebranded Avril TV. Moving on to the Avril Lavigne era, why does the self-titled album have no proper sign-off or acknowledgement to the fans in the liner notes? In the liner notes of Avril's 2013 studio album Avril Lavigne, the thank yous simply end with Avril thanking various people involved in the creation of the album but no proper sign-off, which is uncharacteristic of Avril's albums up to that point. There is also no direct thank you to the fans, who she previously always mentioned in the liner notes of her albums. It's possible there just wasn't enough room to include everything in the booklet, a printing error, or the final version of her thank yous did not get completed in time before the booklets went to print. Additionally, the booklet contains an incorrect lyric in the second verse of Sippin' on Sunshine, when it says, like a box of cheap wine, instead of, boy, you're blowing my mind. It's possible the lyrics were typed from an early draft of the lyrics before the lyrics might have been changed. Was there ever a version of rock and roll featuring Pink? Rumors began circulating around the time of the Avril Lavigne era that pop star Pink was supposed to have been a feature on the album track Rock and Roll. The rumor stems from an article by Digital Spy posted on May 11, 2013, which contains a summary of an interview she gave with 4Music. When discussing Rock and Roll, she says, It's a song that I'm just putting the final touches to now. I wish I could tell you more about it, but you'll have to wait. The article goes on to say, quote, When asked if the album will contain any other collaborations, she responded, Um, that one, which is why I can't say anything yet. We're in the process of making that happen. It's not confirmed. I'm trying to do something right now. Like I've been in the studio for the past four days working and I can't really say anything until it's done. Further probing on a female collaboration resulted in Levine saying she hopes that rock and roll will be it. End quote. It is unknown how fans concluded the collaboration was with Pink, or why the feature version was never released, if it was even recorded at all. It's possible the collaboration was scrapped due to label disagreements, since the two artists were under different record labels at the time. At this time, Pink was signed under RCA Records, which was Avril's former label from 2004 to 2011. Avril had experienced creative issues with RCA during her time with them, and it's possible the label did not want their artists working with Avril, or it's possible Pink was simply not interested in the project. It's also possible the collaboration was actually recorded, but neither the labels nor artists were satisfied with the result and decided to scrap it in favor of a solo version. Fans also speculated the female feature could have been Miley Cyrus. Moving on to the Head Above Water era, did Avril have plans to make a fragrance for Head Above Water? The website trademarks.juicia.com shows that two trademarks were registered in November 2018 under Avril Levine Music and Entertainment LLC. Head Above Water and Head Above H2O were both registered under the categories of perfumes and colognes, perfumes, and cosmetics on November 26, 2018, about two months after the release of the Head Above Water single. Further details show the status of both trademarks as abandoned, no statement of use filed. The complete history of filing the trademark is available and shows a series of claims being filed in early 2020 to abandon the trademark and then later revive it and extend it. In January 2021, the status was officially filed as abandoned and there are no further updates. This possibly means there were tentative plans to create a fragrance to tie in with the Head Above Water single and album, but for whatever reason this never came to fruition. It's also interesting that claims kept being filed to revive and extend the trademark as recently as 2020, so it's possible Avril was trying hard to make it work, and then once the COVID-19 pandemic happened, she might have just given up on it or thought the album was too old and there would be less interest in the fragrance at that point. No further details are known about the fragrance, such as the manufacturer. She previously worked with Procter & Gamble on her past fragrance releases, but those fragrances aren't listed on her trademarks page, so it's possible that means maybe Avril was going to try to produce the fragrance independently, which could be another reason why the project was ultimately abandoned. As of the time of this recording, Avril has not spoken publicly about the fragrance or plans to create more. What are the copyrights of Chateau Levine and Levine Cuisine for? The same website has trademarks listed for Chateau Levine and Levine Cuisine. The trademark for Chateau Levine was filed on June 27, 2017, under several wine-related categories. Since Avril has always loved wine and also lived in France for a period of time in the summer of 2012, it's possible she had plans to create her own line of wine or champagne, but for whatever reason, the project was abandoned. However, the filing history shows requests made for an extension on the trademark as recently as 2021, with the last update from June 1, 2021, saying, Notice of approval of extension request emailed. So while Avril has not released any products under the name Chateau Levine, it appears she is still interested in keeping the trademark registered. She has recently begun a partnership with the alcoholic drink Beatbox Beverages, which could serve as a soft launch of Avril into the liquor industry before potentially launching her own product. Another trademark for Levine Cuisine was filed on April 21, 2020 under the category of cookbooks and several cooking-related categories such as cooking equipment or prepared meal kits. During the COVID-19 pandemic, Avril had discussed writing a cookbook, a project she had mentioned working on and off for a period of years. It's possible this trademark was filed in preparation for publishing the cookbook. However, no cookbook was ever completed or published as of the time of this recording. The filing history shows in October 2020 that a final refusal was written and emailed. In May 2021, the trademark was listed as abandonment, failure to respond, or wait response. On May 11th, 2021, it seems the trademark was ultimately abandoned permanently with Abandonment Notice emailed, Failure to Respond. It's possible the trademark didn't get approved, which prevented Avril from moving forward with the project, or complications from the COVID-19 pandemic prevented them from completing the project. Since the trademark is now listed as abandoned, it appears Avril has no further plans to try to revive the project at this time. Were there music videos for Dumb Blonde and It Was In Me? During the Head Above Water era, Avril had alluded to plans to shoot a music video for the album's third single, Dumb Blonde. However, a supposed insider on Twitter claimed the video had been scrapped due to issues with green screen filming. The insider claimed the concept of the video would feature cameos from several female blonde celebrities such as Britney Spears and Paris Hilton. They then later claimed a video had been shot for the solo version of the song only with no cameos due to budget constraints. Midway through promotion for Dumb Blonde, Avril then suddenly changed plans to switch to a different single for the song I Fell in Love with the Devil. This may have possibly been due to the video for Dumb Blonde being scrapped, if the rumor is true. However, Avril also gave an interview to Entertainment Tonight in May 2019, where she said that no video had been shot for Dumb Blonde, and that they were figuring out what the next proper single would be, implying that Dumb Blonde was possibly only ever meant to be a promotional single. She also said after Dumb Blonde, she would focus on Devil. It's possible there were never any plans to make a video for Dumb Blonde at all. The same insider also claimed It Was In Me would be the final single of the era, and that there would be a music video featuring tour footage from the Head Above Water tour. However, the international tour dates were postponed due to the COVID-19 pandemic, and instead, a reworked version of Warrior called We Are Warriors was released to support frontline workers. This was the final activity of the Head Above Water era, so any potential plans for It Was In Me were ultimately scrapped. And our final mystery comes from the Love Sucks era. What happened with the Love Sucks Club app? In January 2022, Avril launched an app called the Love Sucks Club, which had a subscription fee of $3 per month and was intended to be used to promote her then-new album, Love Sucks, as well as feature exclusive content from Avril, a message board for fans, and access to pre-sales for concerts. However, nothing was ever posted on the app after its launch or initial promotion, apart from Avril's regular social media posts. The only explanation I can personally think of for why this app was seemingly abandoned is that her team simply forgot about it and neglected to post any content once the app was launched. So there you have it, some of the greatest Avril Lavigne mysteries. Will we ever find out the answers to these burning questions, and what other mysteries do you wonder about Avril? Let me know over on the podcast Instagram page at bestamavrilpod or email bestamavrilpod at yahoo.com. There's surely many other mysteries we're all wondering about Avril that I can do a part two sometime. But for now, we conclude this episode of the Best Damn Avril Lavigne podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your preferred podcast platform so you can get new episodes directly in your feed. And please take a minute to leave a rating or review to help more fans find the show. We're currently streaming on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Amazon Music, and Audible. And you can also find me on Instagram at Best Damn Avril Pod to keep up with the latest podcast news. Join me again next time on the Best Damn Avril Lavigne podcast. The Best Damn Avril Lavigne podcast is hosted, produced, and edited by Andrea Francesco. Team music is HD and Lights by J-Pow Flicks. Follow the latest podcast news on Instagram at bestdamavrilpod or email bestdamavrilpod at yahoo.com.